You need winners? Let the sports advisors show you how to make money. General Manager Al DeMarco, a former sports reporter and contributor on Fox Sports, MSNBC, and Comcast Sports TV, brings over 25 years of handicapping experience to the table. Rick Torino, a 25-year handicapping expert, spent over a decade as a college and pro football editor at a national wire service. Together, they are the Sports Advisors, your number one source for winners. Week number three of the college football season is upon us. Hi, everyone. Al DeMarco here along with Rick Torino, and we are going to break down our top featured games for this Saturday card. Rick and I have known each other for 30-plus years I got my start in this industry actually as a sports reporter. I was managing editor of a national sports wire service. Rick was the college and pro football editor for that same service. We've known each other for many, many years. In fact, we were in each other's weddings, best of friends. We talk football all the time. We're inviting you in to a conversation because bottom line, we bet more games together than probably all of you listening. And we've actually won a few of them along the way. (laughs) So I have to warn you, though, if you thought that you were going to find the typical hot girl, the ex-jock and the clown comedian uh, giving you ridiculous 14 parlays, five team teasers and money line wagers at minus 285. Well, unfortunately, you've come to the wrong place. That's not the type of show that you're going to be watching or listening to. Uh, We're basically uh, guys that have made money covering and writing about sports for a living. We're guys who've made money betting on sports for years. And Rick, uh, we're also guys that both lost with Utah against Florida, uh, lost with uh, LSU uh, against Florida State. And what the hell happened to you? I'm surprised that you did not come back with Clemson against Georgia Tech. Did you not have any confidence and faith in Dabo against the Yellow Jackets? I did not, and it's good to be back with you. Uh, it's been a long time, but like you said, we go back many, many years. But I appreciate uh, you inviting me uh, on this show and uh, hopefully have a success and uh, make some of our followers some money this year. Uh, Clemson, I was a little, I uh, just, I don't know, but Georgia Tech, I don't know how they put that garbage on national TV last night to tell you the truth out with Georgia Tech. Oh, boy. And then, uh, and then they get, and then they end up, and then Clemson ends up covering in the end. And I, the over and under, Al, even was at fifty. That went over. That went over at fifty-one. So, uh, yeah, I, I just not a big fan of Clemson this year. At least the offense, anyway. The defense is going to be good. Yeah, well, in a lot of places, actually, that game pushed the total at fifty-one. Depending on where you push, uh, got the closing price of that one. We, of course, are recording this video for you on Tuesday, so it can be up and available for you. So the prices that we are talking about uh, throughout this video are as of Tuesday night. They may change slightly as we approach Saturday's kickoffs. But still, you should have come with Clemson. I mean, you're absolutely right, though. I mean, what were they thinking? I mean, the TV executives sitting there all those months ago, yeah, uh, let's, make, let's make Clemson and Georgia Tech the featured game because everybody wants to watch Georgia Tech, a team that's won three games each of the past three seasons because there's nothing yeah. better to do on Labor Day. I mean, seriously, that was the best you could come up with? I, I don't know. Well, listen, this is the format of the show. We agreed on the games that we're going to talk about, and that's it. We've never discussed them. We have no idea who likes what side, and that's how we're going to play it each and every week. 
So with that being said, let's talk about the elephant in the room, and that is the biggest game on the board. And that's that little game between Alabama and Texas in Austin on Saturday. Rick, I'm going to let you kick it off here. Uh, Nick Saban, of course, opened up with a little bit of a browbeating of Utah State. Uh, they kind of covered the spread, 55-0, laying 41.5 points. And that was pretty much with the tied starters only playing three quarters in that one. Yeah, I just... Uh... You know, like you said, getting right to the point. I mean, and let's not forget, too, that uh, there's only been one of his assistants that beat him, and that's been, it was old Jimbo last year down in A&M, Bill. Um, but I, I, the 20 scares me a little, but I, I can't go against the tide in this game. They're, that place, Austin, will be a raucous, but it's not like anything they haven't seen before, whether it be in, in Athens, Georgia, whether it be in, in the Mercedes-Benz for the SEC championship game, Knoxville, Auburn, Starkville. The crowd will not affect them. Uh, personally, not a big fan of Quinn Ewers. I don't know. He didn't play his senior year. He threw two passes last year. Looked good Saturday. Well, it was Louisiana Monroe, so we know where we're going there. But um, I'm afraid of the 20. But I'm gonna lay if I'm I'm gonna make a pick and I'm gonna take Alabama laying the 20. It's just I just can't. I I think it. Yeah, I think it. It's not gonna even be close at halftime. I agree with you. Now, do you think? Nick will show any sympathy toward Steve Sarkeesian. No, no. And, and that was part of, and I'll go back to Saturday because that was part of, uh, of some thinking I was here on, on the East coast with Kirby smart and Georgia against Dan Lanning in Oregon. And we showed, he didn't show any sympathy for his former defensive, defensive head coach um, with the ducks. So I don't think Saban will show Sark any you know, and let's be fun. What has Sark done over the years? I mean, we got him at Washington. He was a, he did nothing there, did nothing at USC, you know. So I am, you know, he doesn't win this year. He could, you know, he might be gone. They might be looking again. It, it, it's not good if he doesn't win. And oh, I and right. I did hear some I did hear some from today that Saturday's game is not going to determine their season. He's got one goal, and that is to get to Dallas for the Big 12 championship in early December. I'm telling you right now, Sark just took you off his Christmas card list. You are not. <laughs> matter of fact, I just if I computer. if I can throw one note in, I will really be curious to see how Bijan Robinson does for the Longhorns. Really like him, one of the top running backs in the country. But he gets a test against that Alabama defense, which is better than last year. So, well, listen, I am a hundred percent in agreement with you. I often say that marquee games are not necessarily the ones that you want to bet on because often they are the ones that you want to watch because there's no line value in them because they are overanalyzed, they are overhyped, and the value just evaporates. But in this particular case, I mean, Alabama is head and shoulders above Texas. I don't even get this line. I mean, did anybody realize, as you said, Texas starting quarterback, first game played? I'm beating up UL Monroe. On the other side, you've got, you know, an Alabama team that is a veteran team. You've got Bryce Young. I mean, yeah, I mean, he was playing the Little Sisters of the Poor last week. But hold it. Utah State did win the Mountain West Championship last year. This is not like chop liver. The Aggies were a good team, an 11-win team that beat Oregon State in the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl. I mean, Bryce Young, six touchdowns, 18 for 28, five passing touchdowns, five, um, five carries for 100 yards and one touchdown. And he did that all in three quarters before Saban called the dogs off in that game. 
And the other thing with Alabama, you know, they went out and they reloaded. Um, one of the key guys they got through the transfer portal was Jamar Gibbs from Georgia Tech. Nine carries, 93 yards. This is a guy who on a bad Georgia Tech team last year averaged uh, 5.2 yards a carry, 746 yards. This Texas defense was pathetic last year. They couldn't stop anybody. They are not going to stop Bryce Young. They are not going to stop Gibbs in that tied uh, running attack. And, um, you know, everybody in Texas likes to say, hey, the Horns are back. UT is back. Well, you know, they're not going to roll in the Tides neighborhood. I mean, Alabama is going to be relentless. And I can see Alabama winning this game by 28, 31, 34 points. And I'm with you. I don't think it's even going to be close. So uh, roll Tide, roll. <laughs> Off we go. Um, Al, totally on board with you, obviously. And I just can't forget, Alan. I don't like to bring up years past and everything, but this is also a Texas team that lost to Kansas at home last year when Sark was the head coach. Kansas on the road with a victory. I, I, I still think back to that game, and I cannot believe they lost to Kansas at home. Okay, that, now that really does. Bevo is taking you off his personal Christmas card list as well. <laughs> that is it. You are, the burnt arms are just, they have had it with you, buddy. Okay, listen, we are moving on to the next game. Uh, Arkansas taking on South Carolina. Let's go into the SEC here. This game, I think it's going to be tough for South Carolina because, you know, this game is starting at 11 o'clock Fayetteville time, not an easy time to start anyway in front of 74,000 crazies in Fayetteville. I was very impressed. Uh, I used Arkansas as a free pick on my video report last weekend. Uh, they took on a veteran Cincinnati team, beat them 31 to 24 at home, 224 yards rushing. And KJ Jefferson, a guy who continues to impress me, 18 for 26, 223 yards, three touchdowns through the air, 18 carries, 262 yards rushing. And Raheem Sanders, 20 carries, 117 yards. This is a guy who's, he's a big load to take down at 6'2", 227. Last year, he averaged 5.1 yards a carry. And um, a lot of the contrarians, contrarians will say, oh, well, you know, Cincinnati shot itself in the foot, 10 penalties. But listen, you know, Arkansas still won the game. And Sam Pittman's Razorbacks are 7-1 and one straight up at home over the past couple of years. And I was not that impressed with the way South Carolina played. They beat Georgia State 35-14. to 14, But, you know, two of those touchdowns were from block punts. Um, the defense couldn't stop the run last year, giving up 179 yards a game. And they allowed 200 to the Panthers. And Spencer Rattler... I mean, pedestrian numbers, 23 for 37, 226 yards, a couple of interceptions. I mean, this is not what they were looking for, the savior at the quarterback position. Well, Al, I had, I had higher hopes for South Carolina this year, I think. Um, but I'm really curious to see what Rattler is going to do against that Arkansas defense, who did surrender 325 yards last week to Cincinnati to the transfer quarterback, Ben Bryan, who played for Eastern Michigan last year. But everything statistically eight in Vegas points toward, our, to points toward Arkansas. South Carolina comes in 3-11 and 11 straight up and 5-9 and nine against the spread on the road from 2019. Plus, they've lost 10 of their last 11 and three of their and they're just three and eight against the spread in SEC road games. Uh, like you said earlier, uh, raucous crowd to go in the tough to play early afternoon in Arkansas. 
Uh, I'll, I'll lay, I believe, eight. Are we talking eight, nine? Yeah, eight and a half right I'll, now. I'll lay that and take Arkansas. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah you know, I'll take Arkansas because we just didn't see that much. We just didn't see that much from Rattler. And I kind of see what he wants to do because Beamer has that program on the rise. I just want to kind of see what he does against an, Ar- uh, against an Arkansas defense yeah, on I the mean, road. There's always the fear of a letdown because Arkansas with the big opening win against Cincinnati. But I just don't see that happening here because I just discount the Gamecocks being that good. Go right. And it's the SEC opener for both teams. So and at I think that at home. Uh, Rattler, the crowd shouldn't affect him, really. I mean, he's, he's played in the Big 12 and has been all over as well. But uh, I don't know the re- what the rest of South Carolina is going to do. You know, in Arkansas, and I'm on board with you. I'm a fan of K.J. Jefferson as well. Okay. Hey, listen, guys, before we get any further in the show, I just want to remind you, you can get my best bet uh, every single day and Rick's best bet as well via the all-access pass. In fact, you can get the seven-day free all-access pass over at the Sports Advisors absolutely free. Now, that is a $449 value for free. No strings attached, no hassles, no salespersons. You just go over to the sports advisors, click on the button. You'll see it's $449, but you get it for free. And what that gets you is my best bet and the best bet of all 10 plus handicappers at the site every single day for seven consecutive days for free. Why do we do it? Well, because we can, and because we're the only people in the industry that can do that. Because we've always felt that what better way to give you a taste of what we do than by pulling back the curtain, by showing you what we have. And that's what we do it for. So go over to the Sports Advisors, click on the seven-day free all-access pass trial. And remember, there is nothing better. There is no 900 number. There is no 800 service. When you get Rick's best bet, when you get my best bet, when you get the best bets of all the handicappers at the site, There is no upsell. There is no 900 number, no 800 number. There is no better play than what you get. Everything there is what you see, is what you get, and you get it for free over at thesportsadvisors.com. Okay, continuing on here. Oh, boy, this this is another good game. And, you know, it's amazing how many of the good games on this Saturday's card, and there's not a lot of them, involve SEC teams. Tennessee at Pittsburgh – Huge revenge game for the Volunteers. Uh, Volunteers, a six and a half point favorite on the road against Pitt. Let me just tell you, that crowd in Pittsburgh was so crazy on Thursday night for West Virginia. And I expect the same type of atmosphere when Tennessee comes to town this Saturday. And to be honest with you, Al, I was surprised when that line opened up at five and is now going up. I mean, I think I even saw seven today. Uh, it, 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 You know, Vegas, Al, they don't lose. They're just saying take pit, take pit, take pit. Uh, I don't see it though. I, 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 I was like I said, very surprised when I saw that line at, uh, opened up Tennessee as a favorite a week or two back. So you like, uh, I'm confused. You like the Panthers? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, with everything I saw, with everything I saw of Tennessee and that offense, uh, Pittsburgh's defense. You know, they were lucky to win that game Thursday night. The defense was very vulnerable uh, against the run. They're aggressive, and and Heupel's got that offense kicking in high gear. 
I mean, they, uh, granted, they played a preseason game against Ball State, scoring 59 points. But that offense, you know, with the addition of a couple wide receivers, they got this kid, Brew, uh, Brew McCoy from USC, who just became eligible at four catches. They expect him to be bigger in the pass game on Saturday. Um, the, the Pitts run defense week. Uh, but Pitt's running game, 79 yards only rushing, and Tennessee is vulnerable on the back end of their defense, so that could be a, a sign for Slovis. Uh, I would expect Tennessee to win, and this game could go over, though. This could also be an over. Yeah, 66 points. I mean, that's an easy number to eclipse for these two teams, considering neither one of them are strong defensively, and they both have the offensive firepower. Um, also, let me ask you this before I give you my thoughts on the game. Is this a prime letdown, even though it's a home game, because of the way the backyard brawl, the uh, the emphasis put on that game, the way it ended, let's face it, we both had Pittsburgh, seven and a half. We both bought down the half point on the Panthers, and we were both extremely fortunate to walk away with the push because it was the ultimate miracle comeback for Pitt in that. Is this a game that you got to guard against a letdown if you're Pittsburgh? Oh, definitely. That yeah, two two opponents like this in a row for Pitt is tough. Granted, they're both at home. You know, this is this will be Tennessee's this will be Tennessee's game. They win this game. They just cracked the top twenty, coming in at twenty four. Their first time in the top twenty five since twenty twenty. So this will put them in the top twenty with a win at with a win at Pittsburgh. Um, still, I still that line's just a little. A little high for me, Lane, but Vegas is telling me, you know, Vegas is saying everybody take Pitt, take Pitt. But, you know, with that Tennessee offense, I, I think they'll they'll have enough to cover at least eight to ten. I agree with you. I think it's a sucker play. It's a sucker play designed that number to suck you into taking the Panthers. And I think it's a trap line. I mean, Tennessee has had this game circled since they lost last year at home. It was 41-34. And remember, Hendon Hooker. Did not start that game last year for Tennessee. Um, uh, Joe Milton started that game last year. Hooker came in in the second quarter, played well, but now with Hooker at that at quarterback, he is one of the most dynamic quarterbacks in college football. I mean, the way he, I mean, look, uh, granted, Ball State was, you know, not even in Tennessee's class, but Hooker, eight possessions, six touchdowns and a field goal on that 59-10 route before they called the dogs off. And, um, oh, my gosh, uh, I think Tennessee can just score at will. Uh, yes, they don't have much of a defense, but as we saw, Pittsburgh doesn't have much of a defense either. So if I'm going to play this, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to take Tennessee at six and a half. I'm going to go ahead and buy down the half point. I fully expect this line, though, actually will come down because I think, as you said, a lot of action is going to come in on Pitt, and it's going to bring this line down. We're recording this on Tuesday night. As we get closer to game time, I think the public money may bring this down to six because people, like you said, will jump on the Panthers, and that's going to be public pressure to pull this number down by a little bit. Um, the next game. We debated whether or not to kick this game out of the games that we would actually talk about um, because I'm no fan of either one of these teams. But I said, hey, let's keep it in here because we've got to bore some people to tears. Um, Iowa is minus three and a half at home against Iowa State. Now, this has been a one-sided series with the Hawkeyes winning six straight and covering in five of six. But Iowa, uh, last week at home, almost pulled... Well, I want to say a Washington because I refer to Washington because last year Washington opened up at home and lost to Montana State. Well, Iowa almost did the same thing against South Dakota State last week at home. 
needing a bunch of, what, a field goal and two defensive scores to beat uh, those Jackrabbits of South Dakota State 7-3. to I thought it was the baseball score, actually, but actually it was a football score. Now, uh, the Cyclones did their job, beat Southeast Missouri State. I'm going to throw this in your lap and see who you like in this game. Al, that was just a, a, a pathetic performance by the Iowa offense. And, of course, we don't want to claim nepotism, but it could show since the offensive coordinator is Kirk Ferentz's son, Brian Ferentz. So we don't see any changes in the as far as the OC goes. But I will say this, Al, not a fan of Spencer Petras, the quarterback for Iowa, not the last two years. 109 yards on Saturday against South Dakota State. Last year, only 1,880 yards last season, 10 touchdowns, 9 interceptions. Like I said, never a fan of his. Um and here's a good one, Al. Iowa, 16 offensive possessions Saturday, and they had starting the average start forty their own 42-yard line. I don't know how you only get seven points, let alone a field goal and two safeties. Al, I'm not giving you a pick on this, but I'm going to give you a play on the total. And I'm usually you know you know me. I'm usually not a total guy. Eight of, eight of the last nine have gone under the total in this series. So. My play on this is going to be the under, and it looks like right now the under's at about 40 and a half. Yeah, my play on this is don't watch don't, the game, well, don't right. go to the game. <laughs> I mean, you know Iowa's got to be, a, oh boy, I'm going to get in trouble for this. You know Iowa has got to be a pretty damn boring state if the whole focus of the damn state is going to be on this game. And I <laughs> Oh, and it will not, be. It will be with that Cyhawk trophy on the line. I, what trophy? Cyhawk. I, I know. I, I just wanted you to say it again. But you realize I've now lost all sponsorship money from the State Tourism Bureau of Iowa. They have never invited. I've only been to Iowa once. I remember driving. I was driving cross country. I drove through Iowa. All I remember is so many damn cornfields. They are never letting me back in this state. I'm going to drive in that state. State troopers are going to be pulling me over immediately. Yeah. And I think corn oil. Isn't that the other thing? But anyway, listen, um, you know, I was impressed with Iowa State's quarterback, though. Uh, I think it's uh, Hunter Deckers. Uh, first start, 25 for 31, 293 yards, four touchdowns. The one thing I will say about Iowa State, isn't it about time that Matt Campbell, who every time a coaching vacancy opens up, Matt Campbell is the hot coaching prospect, but he always stays with Iowa State. Isn't it about time that Iowa State finally wins and Matt Campbell finally wins a damn game in this series? But, you know, it just seems like Iowa always has his number. Yeah, and AR, the games, Al, the games are usually close. Um, if I had to make a pick, I'm going to take Iowa State plus the three and a half. But I'm, I'm still leaning toward that under, unless I, Iowa just comes out with a whole new game plan Saturday to score points. But but I, I just don't see it happening. They, they didn't prove it at all last year. Um, I'm referring back to that game, which I remember after they beat Penn State, they went in and they played host to Purdue, got beat by Purdue, could not keep up with that Purdue offense. Not that I'm saying Iowa State's Purdue's offense of last year, but I just uh, not a fan of Iowa, not a fan of Spencer Petras, the quarterback for Iowa. I agree with you. I mean, I, I still don't understand why they keep giving him multiple shots as the starter. You know, I always call uh, a game that we preview uh, the Who Cares Game of the Week. This is it. Everything tells me that, you know, Iowa State should be the play here. And yet, Iowa seemingly, again, six straight wins, five and one against the spread, 
Iowa seemingly always gets the job done in this rivalry series. So there you go. I want to play it. Uh, back to the SEC. Let's talk about Florida. <sighs> they cost us money against Utah. I, I have to say, I have to give the Gators props. I know Billy Napier is going to turn that program around. I did not think that he would turn them around that quickly against a damn good Utah squad. Listen, Utah lost that game in the swamp uh, over the weekend, but um, Utah is still a darn good team. Uh, Anthony Richardson played very well. He was the Florida offense, 17 for 24, 168 yards passing, 106 yards rushing, three touchdowns in that 29-26 upset of Utah. Um, I think this price, Rick, is extremely cheap. I love the Gators in this spot. You know, everybody's expecting so much from Kentucky, but Kentucky barely beat Miami of Ohio. You see the final score, 37-13, but it was a 13-10 game at halftime, and the Wildcats have a real problem. They can't run the ball. Well, Al, you know why they can't run the ball. And for, before I get there, I like the quarterback, Will Levis, to transfer from Penn State. Had a great last, great season last year, 28 and 20, 2,826 yards, 24 touchdowns. But the key to that offense is Chris Rodriguez. And the uh, coach, Stoops, has still not really come out why he is suspended. I mean, he did not play last week. This is a guy that rushed for th over almost 1,400 yards last year, nine touchdowns, did not play Saturday. I don't know if he's playing this Saturday or not, and that is going to be key because I'll tell you what, Anthony Richardson, like you said, was the best player on the field last Saturday night, and Napier coached his rear end off last week, and that program, he not a Florida guy, but he's going to turn that program around. I, I was thinking if they could get two of their first three or split, they win this one. They may challenge now for that second spot in the SEC East behind Georgia. But they were really, yeah, that was that was some game. And Cam Rising, that Utah played well. I mean, they just just they had the chance. They just didn't make the play at the end. That, it, plain and simple. Well, listen, Rodriguez got into some legal issues back in May. Uh, May eighth, he was charged with DUI and careless driving. Um, you know, and and although obviously Stoops and the university won't comment on it. I mean, you know. You have to assume there's some illegal issues pending, whatever, disciplinary action, who knows. But uh, there was no word when we recorded this here on Tuesday night. It seems that he's not going to be available. But you take a guy that ran for 1,379 yards and 12 touchdowns, you take him out of the lineup, and then you see against Miami of Ohio that Kentucky, 26 carries and 50 yards on the ground their longest car uh, run was nine yards well utah ran against florida kentucky's not going to run the ball against florida and that's why i think this is a dirt cheap price because the kentucky team you're going to see now is not the kentucky team that played so well last year and this florida team well, this is a Florida team that suddenly has been rejuvenated in the course of just less than five months since Napier arrived in Gainesville. And momentum is certainly on Florida's side. I will be real interested to see if this number stays at four and a half, uh, because we aren't the only ones here that saw the difference between these two teams. At four and a half, hey, I can buy down the half point down to four. If this game moves, though, to five, five is one of those numbers that's like out in the desert. Five suddenly means, well, you got to win by a touchdown. 
and that puts a whole different spin on this game. But right now, I love Florida in this spot. Um, next game, uh, very interesting game, BYU and Baylor. Now, BYU playing in revenge at home is a three-and-a-half-point favorite against the Bears. I, I've gone back and forth in this game. I'm going to throw it in your lap, buddy, to let you uh, pick it out first. Al, I've not gone back and forth. I'm going to come right out and tell you, BYU is my top play this week. I really like the Cougars at home, returning 11 starters on defense. Like you said, revenge last year when they lost that game at Waco. Uh, and I am really, really like the quarterback, Jaron Hall. They come in uh, six straight winners in their last regular six uh, regular season games. They lost the bowl game last year, and it showed what a difference Jaron Hall was injured was injured and did not play in that game. Was 261 yards on Saturday, two touchdowns, but last year 2583 yards, 20 touch. He is an exciting player. He is going to be better than Zach Wilson was. He's going to be the difference in that game and you know what that crowd is going to be like in Provo. It's on that it's I guess I would imagine I haven't seen it but I know it's on TV late. I think it's a late game. Um so Provo, Utah will just be exploding last night, uh, will be exploding Saturday night uh, when ninth-ranked Baylor comes to town. Really, really like BYU and Sataki. Uh, also, big in revenge games. They are big in revenge games over the years. Well, you know, after, uh, after uh, BYU lost in Waco last year, Sataki said, you know, he questioned his team's physicality is the way he put it because he felt uh, Baylor just pushed BYU all around the field. Um, now, playing devil's advocate, Baylor beat up an FCS squad, um, Albany, uh, 69 to 10. Uh, um, oh, God, help me here, Rick. Uh, Baylor's quarterback, Blake. Um, oh, Shiffin. 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 Yeah, 214 yards, 17 for 22 touchdowns. Uh, he, of course, really came to prominence in the Big 12 title game last year against uh, Oklahoma State. Uh, 23 for 28, 180 yards, three touchdowns. He beat out Jerry Bohannon uh, to become the starter in spring camp. And ironically, Bohannon then immediately transferred to South Florida. And that's who BYU beat 50 to 21 uh, this past Saturday. And that wasn't even close to the final score. BYU was up 38-0 uh, before you even blinked in that game. Uh, I will say this. It's kind of interesting. Not only is it a revenge game, but you also have BYU's eventually going to the Big 12. You've got Baylor as the Big 12 defending champs. And the reason I'm kind of on the fence here is that BYU's top two or two of their best receivers, um, one didn't play in the opener. And I have no idea at this point of whether he's going to play uh, Gunnar Romney and one of their other uh, receivers suffered an ankle injury in the game. I don't know if he's going to be available. So does that hurt their passing game? And Baylor is just a team that is so damn physical. I just, um, you know, they're not afraid of anybody. So I actually lean toward the points. But in one of these type of revenge games, we talked about it earlier with Tennessee and Pittsburgh. I actually lean toward Baylor, but not a game that I'm particularly enthused about um which brings us to oregon state and fresno state not exactly a marquee game but i'll tell you what i think there's a lot of value in this particular spot uh, oregon state is a one-point favorite some places it's pick them oregon state's coming off a 34 to 17 home win over boise 
uh, held a veteran Broncos team, their offense, which is 116 yards, and forced the Broncos into four turnovers in the first half. They were up 24-0 at intermission. Um, Fresno State, meanwhile, Jeff Tedford back at the helm of the Bulldogs. Uh, they rolled over Cal Poly 35-7. to uh, Rick, in this spot, virtual pick'em game, um, I, I have a definitive side here. I'm kind of curious which way you're going to go. Now, this is a tough one. I kind of like Oregon State. I watched them last week. For some reason, uh, Boise State's quarterback, Brock O'Meyer, came out of the game. They put another kid in the game that seemed to move, but Brock O'Meyer was the kid. He's only, he was only four of eight, I believe, last week. Uh, Chance Nolan for Oregon State, their starting quarterback, an average, an average to above average quarterback going on the road. This is a Fresno State team out with Jake Hefner, who pulled off that stunner last year at UCLA. They're also looking for revenge. I believe they lost by a touchdown last year up in Corvallis. Um, I guess the slight lean at home toward Fresno State. They're at home in the games at a near pick them. Uh, I, I would lead to, uh, toward the Bulldogs. And also you got Tefford uh, back at the helm for, the, for Fresno State. Yeah, I like Fresno State as well. Listen, you know, Oregon State made me some money last year, but only when they played in Corvallis because this is a team 5-16 and 16 straight up on the road under Jonathan Smith. And when you're on the road and it's a pick em game, I'm sorry, I can't go with you. And I like Fresno State. This is a team that I think they're both evenly matched defensively because Oregon State, I, I'm surprised that Broncos, uh, that Boise State did not put some points on the board against them. I don't know what happened there, other than the fact when you turn the ball over four times in the first half and you find yourself in the 24 nothing hole, which Boise did last week, well, that takes your game plan totally away from you. Um, I don't think it's going to be this way now. And Fresno, when you have a Pac-12 team coming to your house, this is like the Super Bowl early in the season. So that's why I like Fresno in this one. Uh, before we get to our last game, just a reminder, again, you want to get my best bet, Rick's best bet, the best bets of all the handicappers, 10 or more of them, every single day for seven straight days, no strings attached, a $449 value, dollar value. All you've got to do is go to thesportsadvisors.com and click on the free seven-day all-access pass. That's all it is. That's all you've got to do. And you get our plays for free. We do it because we're the only people in the industry to ever make that offer because we pull the curtain back. We give you our plays, all the analysis for free. There is nothing better. There is nothing more. My best bet, well, that's it. There is nothing better than my best bet every single day. There is no 800 service. There is no 900 service for any of the handicappers at the site. And the only place our plays are available is thesportsadvisors.com. And all you've got to do is go visit the site, click on the free seven-day all-access pass. You'll see it. If you were to buy it, it's $449, but you get it for free. You sample our wares. We're that confident that we will make you money. Listen, I'm going to be the first one to tell you, no handicapper wins every single day. Anybody that tells you that, well, listen, that doesn't happen. But over the long haul, we will make money on a consistent basis, and that's all you can ask for. So check it out, the free seven-day all-access pass over at thesportsadvisors.com. Rick, last game is one of the best ones on the board as far as I'm concerned. Southern Cal at Stanford. 
the Trojans kind of made a nice little debut, living up to all the hype for Lincoln Riley last week at home against Rice, 66-14. to 14, And, well, just about every single guy that came in through the transfer portal played kind of well. Yeah, uh, you expected that from Southern Cal. Let's face it, it was Rice. Uh, 538 yards of offense they rolled up. Um, I know you love this game. I'm not that much in love with it. Uh, I have a feeling uh, of oh, what way I'm going to go with this, but I know you you re- really like this game. Um, I'm a little concerned about SC's defense. We know about the offense. Um, yeah, uh, I know where I'm going, but I'll let, I'll let you go ahead. Oh, wow. Okay, I'm shocked. Okay, I am stunned. Like I said at the outset of the show, we don't talk about these games in advance. I thought you'd be all over Southern Cal in this game. Wow, all these years no, I thought no. I knew you. As Obviously, a matter I of fact, don't. As a matter of fact, Al, I really I like Stanford's quarterback. I like the kid Tanner McGee. And you know what? They have always given SC problems. Six and two they are in the last eight against the spread. Um, they've won five of the last eight against Southern Cal. Um, granted, this is a different Southern Cal coming into the farm, but uh, it's about time David Shaw turns that Stanford program around after a couple of uh, lean years. And uh, what better way than to beat Southern than to beat USC on national TV on Saturday night? Well, yeah, but you know, people have been saying it's about time David Shaw turns that program around for how many years? How many years? Not you. Got, <laughs> you got a point. You got a point. But he's got a quarterback this year. They had a kid that uh, rushed for over 100 yards. And listen, we cannot. That doesn't means nothing when you're playing Colgate. I mean, Colgate is you know they're a Patriot League team here in the East. So you know, every number they put up, they should have put up against Colgate. Yeah. Yeah, and they turned the ball four times, over four times in that 41-10 victory against Colgate. But you're right, Tanner McKee, McKee, 308 yards passing, two touchdowns, and that kid that was running the ball actually was E.J. Smith, uh, 118 yards rushing, two touchdowns, 168 yards total. And who is he the son of? Uh, I should know this, the way you're telling me, E.J. Smith. But I'm uh, there's a lot of Smiths out there, Al. <laughs> Emmett Smith. Oh, really? Oh, Emmett good Smith, one. Yes. Oh, that's yeah, what I Emmett usually Smith. hit you with. That's a good one. Really? Yeah, there you go. Emmett Smith. Wow. And you see, you thought this show, guys, listening to this show was wow. just about handicapping. Wow, yeah, that's a good go. one. Well, it's tough to keep track there of 131 go. teams, Al. I, well, there you go. But anyway, listen, USC 66-14 over Rice. And uh, Williams from Oklahoma, 19 for 22, 249 yards passing, 68 yards rushing. Uh, led six straight scoring drives to open the game, which speaks not only well of the USC offense, but how pathetic the Rice defense was. Uh, Jordan Addison, the uh, Pittsburgh transfer, five catches, 54 yards. USC, four interceptions. Three of them returned for touchdowns. I, I wonder if there, how many games have there been with three pick sixes returned? I, I mean, that's that's got to be unusual. Hurry up. Somebody called the Elias Statue Hero. Um, listen, Stanford won 42 to 28 in the Coliseum last year. USC won and four their last five trips to Palo Alto. But all that being said, if I'm betting this game, I'm taking USC minus nine because I was kind of surprised at how cheap the price is, I guess, because. 
Um, Stanford has dominated the series at home, and maybe there aren't that many believers yet in USC because, as you said, Rick, the defense isn't that good. But if I'm putting money on it, I'm taking USC in this spot. And, in fact, this is kind of an interesting game. If I was to tease a game, I would look at Southern Cal in a six- or a seven-point teaser and take the Trojans down in a six-point teaser, make them a field goal in a seven-point teaser. I take them down to two points and say, hey, just go ahead and win by three. And what do you think of this teaser? This is something we didn't talk about. What do you think of taking Southern Cal and maybe of all the games we talked about, because you know I love teasers, what would you think taking Southern Cal and maybe going and hooking them up with, um, there's one other game here I'm looking at. I just had it here. We just talked about, you got to love live videos like Arkansas. Taking Arkansas from that eight and a half down to either two and a half or one and a half at home against South Carolina. Because of the way I'm looking at it, Arkansas is not going to lose that game. And in my book, Southern Cal is not going to lose at Stanford. Although, probably the way you're looking at it, you'd go, give me Stanford plus 15 and a half or 16 and a half points. What do you think of a teaser? On well, uh, you know, you, you know how they say about teasers and you know who used to love when we played teasers. Old Danny, he always loved when we played teasers because they were always a big winner for us. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> what, you what, know, Rick you know what Rick is talking about. With that. <laughs> what um, Rick is talking about, guys, is when we were, uh, when we were at the uh, wire service, when I was managing editor and Rick was the College of Pro Football editor, so we had our favorite bookmaker, and this was before it was easy to play, you know, at sports books. We had our four, uh, favorite bookmaker, Danny. We used to call 6, 6.30 every single night, and Danny used to be a former high school principal who found it was much more lucrative to be a bookmaker. So every time we called Danny, Danny loved taking teasers from us, loved taking teasers. He'd just go ahead, and I think Danny used to take the teaser, and then he put a little L next to our names. Loser, loser, loser. Uh, but Danny was good because every uh, – and trust me, guys, if you don't think writers and journalists – don't bet. Oh, you are sorely mistaken. Because Rick and I used to do collections every Monday or Tuesday. And there would be like 15 guys we'd be collecting money from among all the writers and go meet Danny uh, at wherever to go do the payups. And trust me, there was more money going out than there was money coming back in. Because at that point in our lives, we weren't full-time handicappers. But yes, Danny, Danny loved us. Anyway, he did. I think that's a damn good um, teaser. But no, getting back to your teaser. No, I can see your oh, teaser right. with Southern Cal. I think they'll win the game. And you were saying about now. Now, we had talked about this game earlier. You had mentioned Arkansas. Well, I, I might put South Car uh, Southern Cal with Tennessee and tease that down because we liked, I like Tennessee to win. Uh, just to, like I said, just a little concern with the point. With the points, if I play anything Saturday on that game, I'll probably play the money line with Tennessee. You know, knowing yeah, that's the, probably the way I'll go. Yeah, and you know, with teasers, um, I always like uh, taking a team in a teaser that's generally a favorite, anywhere between six and ten points, taking them down in that field goal range. Uh, and I've done extremely well with teasers in all seriousness over the years. One thing I do not advise about teasers, number one, uh, playing more than a two-team teaser. 
uh, playing exotic teasers, three team, four team teasers. Yeah, you can get those boatload of points, but the more teams you play in a teaser, the more the odds are stacked against you. The other thing I don't like about playing a teaser is Alabama, for example, 20 points. Well, listen, if you're not willing to play Alabama at 20, you shouldn't be playing Alabama at 14. Playing a huge double-digit chalk in a teaser, to me, that's lunacy. I don't know how you feel about that. Yeah, uh, I, I would. Yeah, if you're going to take them at 20, well, you know, we're not going to take them. You can take them at 14, just you know, and then you got to worry about the other team, uh, what they're going to do. You know, uh, yeah, I, I just play Alabama straight. Um, even the money line's too high. I think I saw that, Al. I think it's like 1667 is the money line already. Yeah, so that's, yeah. There's only one way when you're going to play that game, and you either take Alabama or, or, or don't play the game, not even in a teaser. No. Um, the only thing I'll, I'll say, Al, I mean, this, 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 day and age, this day and age, Al, is so different from when we were involved what, 30 years ago, possibly? I mean, there's just so many different ways you can go now with it. Like you said, you got exotic teasers, but you got exotic money line plays, Al, that you could play. You could take that big money line and group it with seven or eight plays and make yourself a couple of bucks, you know. But it's just so different. You didn't have all that, you know, 30 years ago when we were, you know, in the 35 years ago, even when we were when we were involved with it. And the final bit of advice when it comes to teasers, guys, I always say don't double dip. If you're going to play two teams in a teaser, don't play one of those teams straight up uh, because the worst thing you can possibly do is have that team lose and then you lose straight up and it affects your teaser as well. That just makes absolutely no sense to me from an investment, financial, or mathematical uh, strategy. It just, it's nonsensical. I see a lot of guys do that all the time. So that's my final advice on teasers. Well, listen, Rick, uh, that'll do it for this week's show. And we will be back here each and every week to break down your Saturday games and uh, hopefully talk about some more winners uh, next week than we did for week number one. That'll do it for Rick Torino and myself, Al DeMarco. Good luck, everybody, and we'll catch you again. And make sure, again, you check out that free seven-day all-access pass over at the Sports Advisors. Good luck, everybody. 